Hi guys, welcome back to My Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan F. Today is another fantastic day. And we often talk about transformations. And some transformations are a bit more subtle and they can take a long time and others are more immediate. In this case of my guest today, Joseph Keiji, um, he is and a chameleon so to speak um if you look at from from what it is or maybe an octopus you know going from complete one end of the spectrum um 47 felonies that's not bad to now <laughs> living a life with a second figure income now that's not bad either so this guy doesn't do things by half so i've already get it and i want to know how the hell do you turn your life around like that and what are the lessons that he has learned the hard way and guys if after this interview you still think that you're the only one going through shit out there and that there is no hope and that there's no help well then i can't help you anymore because here are two numb nuts like me and like him who have turned their life around. Come on, guys. Let's 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 take our life into our own hands, take action. But let's listen how how Joseph got uh, got about it. Joseph, welcome to my show. Steven, man, it's such a pleasure to be here. I love your energy. You got me so excited already. Um, just to be that example, too. You know, I mean, how many times have, have we told ourselves? Oh, I get it. You could do it, but I'm different. And, and the, the lies that we'll tell ourselves, but why we can't do what other people are doing. Exactly. You know, man. It, it, it's crazy, brother. It's crazy. So I'm, I'm grateful to be here. I'm excited to have a conversation <laughs> with you, brother. Oh, you man. said I'm a comedian. I got you to laugh right away. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> I think the reality is, um, we we you say it we are so self-absorbed and live in our own little painful hell um when we are in the midst of addiction uh, but we don't start off like that we start off little children and playing and things like that well for some of us the childhood was not so great how was your childhood um, you know, my childhood had good and bad in it. You know, to be honest with you, I, I come from a family who grew up in the Middle East. My dad owned his own business. You know, he was working all the time and my mom was at home taking care of the family. Mm. You know, from the outside, you would think I would not be somebody who would fall into addiction. You know, mm. our family's close knit, no alcohol, no real alcoholics. Maybe they're unqualified, but no mm. real, real things that happened because of alcohol and drugs. Mm. Um, and then here's Joseph, you know, out comes me on April 11, 1991. Uh, uh. Um, you know, so in my childhood, I would say it was fairly okay. Um, now I say that, and then I'm going to, I'm going to follow that up with, I was molested when I was six years old mm. and I still thought, ah, it was just something that happened to me. I never dealt with it. I never understood it. Um, and then I moved to, from Detroit, Michigan, which is the North side of the United States to the bottom side of the, to the South, to the mm. South of the United States, very different culture very different people. And I was still trying to figure out who Joseph was. Yeah. And what I started to do was I started to let the world tell me who I was. And I became so many different versions of myself. And that's just where I got lost. So my family was supportive, but, you know, emotionally and going through stuff, not talking about things, you know, my childhood wasn't terrible. I'm grateful for everything that's happened. You know, my childhood has given me the life that I have today. Mm. Um, but from the outside, you would have looked at Joseph's life when he was younger. If you look at pictures and the videos that my parents took of me, you'd be like, oh, that that's a good family there. But inside, there was a lot going on in Joseph's life, man. Isn't it? 
and that's sort of the classic the classic scenario uh not everyone has to go through through myriads of of real obvious assaults and and insults and and trauma uh, trauma is quite unique and trauma is something that that comes on top of our genes um and it's quite interesting so here we've got joseph who actually doesn't seem to have a strong family history of addiction um where obviously not too much trauma at least as far as your brain tells you today um yeah. has occurred um so what happened with the first time when you had alcohol or did you go straight for another poison no alcohol was the first thing so i started drinking alcohol at the age of 13 and why it, why what did it give you what alcohol gave me is it relieved me from the bondage of myself you know all the fears that i had all the worries uh, that i had in my life of trying to fit in you know, I was always afraid of being me. Like I always laughed. Like I could never go to a party and dance unless I had alcohol. Cause I was always afraid of dancing, but alcohol gave me permission to be somebody else. You know, being at a party, being somewhere, it gave me permission to not be me. Cause I, I really wasn't okay with me. And that's what alcohol first did for me. When I first had my first drink and I got that buzz, I said, Oh, this feeling right here, this is what I'm chasing. This is the feeling I'm going to chase. Exactly. And I did. I chased it for a long time until alcohol wasn't enough. And I was introduced to opiates at the age of 15. And opiates did the same thing for me that alcohol did. And opiates also, what it did for me, like I said, it, it, it was the feeling. You know, I always say I, drugs and alcohol were not the problem. I was the problem. That was just a solution to my problem. Exactly. And the opiates relieved me from the bondage of me. When I was scared, when I was afraid, when I was in an uncomfortable situation, I felt like I couldn't cope with it with regular life without drugs or alcohol. And then eventually, whether I was happy, I heard somebody say the other day, what's a trigger? I was like, man, waking up is a trigger. You know, I got high when I was happy. I got high when I was sad. I got high when I was good, you know, and and that's what, what I started to chase. Um, and, and then it, it was a never ending road. You know, it never stops. You know, it, it was continuous, continuous wake up. How do I get money and how do I find drugs? Uh, see, there you are. Uh, well, what you're describing is the classic, the classic dopamine rush that you get. This this powerful wave that comes over you. Um, I'm like you. I just I remember that first bus, and it was a most beautiful release of tension in me. And it was it came much later in my life. It was. Uh, first year of university, 18, 19, something like that. Um, and it was uh, oh, so remarkable and so beautiful. Oh, God. Um, Can I add something to the, what you're talking should, about right now? Should. That feeling that we get from drinking, from drinking and using, there's no greater feeling than when actually you're helping somebody else and you're serving other people. Because I'm hearing you talk about, I'm hearing you talk about that great feeling you had and the great yeah. feeling I had from the buzz that alcohol and drugs gave us. Yeah. But there is no drug in this world that has ever given me than when I'm sitting in front of another alcoholic or even somebody maybe not dealing with drugs and alcohol, yeah. just dealing with a problem in their life. And I'm able to give value to them. Brother, man, there's no drug out there. There's no alcohol out there. I don't care how much percentage alcohol in there. That's going to make you feel better than that. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Let me come back though to the way you grew up. Um, because you were, you were growing up 
well, you did you always grow up in the United States or were was part of your upbringing in the Middle East? No, all of that. I was born and raised in Detroit, Michigan. So right. I was second okay. generation. Okay, cool, cool. Were there still the, the same strong uh, beliefs in your parents? Did your parents ever use alcohol or was alcohol taboo? Uh, they only use alcohol like, you know, when they went to family gatherings and maybe there was a glass of wine. Sure. Um, but, sure. but I mean, there was not even alcohol really in our house. You know, if it was there, it was like in a room that like when real big parties happen, they would right. pull it out and, and pour a couple of drinks. Right. But right. gotcha. So I dare to say that even in such families, there is addiction. There are mm -hmm. addictive genes um, present. They just manifest themselves in a different way. How was the relationship of your parents with regards to work? Now, it's a bit hard to say with work because I, I'm a bloody workaholic. I throw myself yeah. in there because I love it, but I also can escape my reality. Any kind of other problems, I work. Okay. So and that's, that's I mean, a very classic Middle Eastern go-getter kind of thing. I mean, your dad um, probably defined himself with work. But what about relationships to food? What about gambling? What about, um, dare I say, sex? Uh, what mm. about uh, those kind of other behaviors that are equally as addictive? Shopping, I mean, in the United States. Um, that's right. Anything like that in your family? Well, so what, what you were just talking about was, was there any addictions in my family? Now, mm. I think everybody is, what an addiction is, is something that you're, you're almost chasing. I call it an idol. You know, I, mm -hmm. I call it you're 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 using something that God created you. He gave it to you as a gift, and now you have abused it. And <laughs> okay. and so the the reality, like even for my father, his work was an addiction mm. because the truth is, is my dad worked all the time, and in his way, it was the way he was providing for our family. Mm -hmm. He found his identity in that. My dad, till this day, does not need to work. He could retire and be fine. But we go to we go to a vacation with my kids and my family and my dad's not there because he says I have to work. That's an addiction. It's, it's taken power over his life. So I've today after reflecting and understanding people and how they deal with their emotions. That was one now. So that was my father's issue. My father and I call it an issue, but it was his addiction. It was it was what I know now to be what I saw as somebody who I'm all in. Uh, One hour of work is not enough, but a thousand hours of work is too much. <laughs> oh, very nicely said. <laughs> very nicely said. And that is that is absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, that explains that. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, it's hard. Oh, it's so hard. Because the, on the one hand, uh, we, we call it an addiction and probably rightly so. Um, yeah. I'm a workaholic, yet I have got exactly the same arguments on the tip of my of tip of my tongue as your dad. Um, mm -hmm. uh, uh, well, I, I mean, we could talk about. I'm open to the the. Conversation. No, 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 no. It's just I'm getting a little bit angry with myself because you're holding this beautiful mirror in front of my face, and I actually actually helped you hold that mirror, and I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's you know what's funny is I still do that too now, like. like don't think because I'm talking about my dad who became a workaholic. I actually have a mentor in my life who said, Joseph, you're in fight or flight mode all uh, the time. Uh, do you know how to just be? And I'm uh, like, well, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. That's what I do. I'm a doer. I got to do. I got to do. And he said, I caution you to just be, uh -huh. you know, be in your thoughts. Medit like I, I, it's hard for me to sit still. 
You know, it's, it's amazing. I'm still that way. I'm a, I'm, I'm high energy. I'm constantly moving. <laughs> Self-reflection is huge. Cause what I started to realize is I start to find my identity and my accomplishments. Cause it makes me feel better. Mm. And it could be a good thing. It's okay to, to want to accomplish, but I'm starting to learn that, man, am I just trying to accomplish because I'm trying to feel better? And you know what that starts to do? I start to do things for my wife to accomplish. And now I want to get her approval that I'm doing the right thing. And I don't get it. And guess what that resolves to? It's a never ending cycle. Excellent. Oh, you just, I hate you. I absolutely hate you. Because <laughs> I'm talking again, to myself too. Oh man. This is, we, we too have got exactly the same experiences in our lives. And it's it, it will never go away. We will always yeah. have these cobbles. We will always work on these things. Um, and but we both have have appreciated that this is a privilege to actually right. work on ourselves and to take action, Absolutely. to change and to transform. Mm-hmm. Man, we're so, aware of them. Well, exactly. How beautiful is that? Yeah. So, so there you were, essentially uh, a good kid. Um, yeah. Getting into alcohol, um, then finding opiates. Interesting. I mean, they are not easily available or not as easily available over here. Um, how did you get into the opiates? Was it just a mate yeah. who? No, there was a there was an epic pandemic in actually in in like where we're at in in Florida in the South. Right. Um, okay. There was, was actually it still Oxycontin. Was it still Oxycontin? That's yeah. right. They were giving them away like can. I mean, it was so easy to get them that yeah. like there was a big scandal. They they ran a huge operations where doctors were arrested. Know. You know, they were opening up. I mean, as crazy as it sounds, you could go to like if you look at in the ghetto in the hood, there's a, a a shopping center that had an open spot open, and all of a sudden there'd just be a sign out front, pain medication, and you would walk in, and it's it's there's a doctor in there that asked you to circle. It was insane how easy it was. No MRIs. <laughs> <laughs> so it was very easy to get. It was it was an opioid pandemic. So getting them was actually very easy. It was almost like you had no problem to get them. Yeah. And, and, okay, and I for, did. And for the listeners who who don't know about that, 80% of the OxyContin uh, scourge was really in uh, Florida, uh, in the, in the mm-hmm. panhandle down there. Um, so that was that became really uh, uh, the focus, the, the center of of um oxycodone as it was um the, uh, the, and when i say oxycodone that's a real uh generic name of the drug oxycontin was the the tra- trademark under which it was uh sold through much uh, of the world that's nowadays right. things have been changing a lot um mm-hmm. so i mean in from 2013 2014 onwards we had uh china flooding uh fentanyl uh and fentanyl analogs um into the market which is much easier to smuggle is far more potent and now kills far 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 more people um yeah did how long were you in the opiate world so I started opiates as soon as I turned 15 um, and then all the way till I turned 26 till, you know, right now I've been a little over five years sober. So um, wow. when I turned 26, um, yeah. even in prison, I mean, in, in prisons, it's not, not like you can't get drugs in prison. Mm. Um, so it, it wasn't until I turned 26 years old that I stopped using opiates or anything of, mm. of that nature. But opiates were my drug of choice and I used them actively mm. for 15 mm. years. And if you think about it, I mean, uh, there is, you don't get, oh, there's some advantages uh, for opiates. You, did you snort them or did you, did you uh, inhale? Did you inject? What was your, 
Yeah, choice. I was. I'm still afraid of needles, which is why I don't have any tattoos. <laughs> so um, it, it was. It, I, that's what I did. I snorted them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And again, that is. It is so understandable, because there was still this need in you, the 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 pain in you. However difficult to understand, I think anyone who has not um, admitted to being an addict. Anyone who has actually not explored that side of himself will not understand the 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 power that uh, a drug or alcohol or a, a certain behavior can give you. The release of tension, the release of pressure, the release of pain. It's it becomes at the same level as breathing, having water, having food, getting rid of that pain. And yeah, it's it, how we cope it's how we cope you know what's crazy about what you just said was very well um we look at drugs and alcohol because it's it's known you know it's it's drugs and alcohol we we can't compare drugs and alcohol to sex we can't compare drugs and alcohol to buying things to look good we can't compare drugs and alcohol to work because those are good things drugs and alcohol are bad now as an addict i just went to drugs and alcohol to 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 solve my problems but I would I would almost ask somebody who who questioned that, like, oh, I don't understand it. Well, is there something in your life today that if I were to take away from you, you wouldn't know how to survive? You know, uh -huh. if I were to take away your work, maybe if I were to take away your pornography, maybe if I were to take away mm -hmm. your accomplishing, you know, what are things I think we all sometimes tend to not reflect, which thankfully I was an addict. I have to reflect or else I I believe I'll lose myself and I'll go back into my addiction. But what are you chasing? What are pe people nowadays are still chasing something, but it's, uh, it's not drugs and alcohol though. That's okay. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. And it is, it is so important to realize that there are good reasons why we want to escape our reality. Uh, mm -hmm. Shit happens. And that is normal in our lives. Things will go wrong. Chance of depression in your lifetime, one in three, one in four. One in three women in the United States have been raped or sexually abused, one in seven men. If you look at anxiety disorder, I mean, anxiety is so bad that it really uh, impairs your quality of life. It's one in five young women uh, here in New Zealand and overseas in, in the Western world. Uh, so if you look at it, there's so much pain out there and you don't have to be blown up um, or, or you know, be the, the recipient of major trauma or witness major trauma that, that your best mate dies in front of you in, in an IED explosion. It has, yeah, that's trauma, of course, too. But trauma comes in all shapes and sorts. And it's, and it often comes in layers. So it can be smaller things that layer up on top of each other. But you then end up in this lost world where actually you are just silently, silently suffering. Mm -hmm. And then if something, some behavior comes in, uh, it could be bulimia or anorexia, anorexia a bit difficult, bulimia, for example, that uh, when you talk to people who have got an eating disorder, the tension release they experience when they have vomited everything up, um, that is very similar to that dopamine rush that an addict gets, an alcoholic gets. Um, so here you go. There are many, many different ways how we try to escape our reality or uh, mitigate or change the way we suffer. So it is so important what you're describing, because actually, whilst you're describing your uh, response to opiates, 
that applies to so many people out there. Yes. Um, so I love it that you that you uh, well talk about the cross addiction that really that we are that is out there. Did you experience that when you actually came off it, came off the opiates? Did you? So did your I, body wanted to go to was something else? Yeah. Well, well, you know what's crazy is you got to remember I I turned twenty six and now you remove the drugs from Joseph. Uh-huh. Um, so now I just have me. So now I'm like, oh man, how do I cope with my feelings and and how do I cope with my anxiety? So I started to, and it's funny because like now I still I chase things just like I chase drugs. I chase helping guys in recovery like I chase drugs. I chase going to the gym and exercising like I chase drugs. And this is what I tell people in the programs. You know, when when you wanted when I wanted drugs, if my drug dealer didn't answer the phone. I didn't go back to bed. I did everything I could to find it. So now that's a gift that, that to me, my willingness and my intensity and my work ethic to go find drugs and actually have to, to steal from somebody. I mean, if I told you the stories of how I would have to get money to do it, it was very manipulative and planned and orchestrated. That's a gift. As crazy as it sounds, I was just not using my gift in the proper places. I wasn't using the gift like God wanted me to use it. So today, when I'm, if I can use that same gift to help people or same gift in my healthy lifestyle or same gift in my business or same gift as my being a father, I chase, like I said, being a father. Oh man, am I, am I spending time? I'm home. Turn my phone off. It's the, it's the focus of wanting to accomplish what's in front of me. You know, and that's what all, the only thing I ever did was in front of me was just drugs. So, so yes, I, I still do it today. I mean, if I don't go to the gym for two, three days, I'm feeling like, oh no, you know, there's something going on and, and I'm chasing that, you know, but what I'm talking about are I'm looking for healthy habits. You know, what are, what are some healthy habits that I have in my life, my spiritual life, me being a husband, me being a father, you know. These are the things that uh, you can say I'm addicted to. I'm addicted to playing with my two daughters and running around with them. <laughs> you know, I, I'm addicted to taking my wife out to dinner. I'm addicted to trying to eat healthy and exercise. I'm addicted to getting closer to my higher power. I'm addicted to working with guys in recovery. So to answer your question, yes, there's things I am still today addicted to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nicely turned around. Nicely. Um, I, I, I I absolutely identify myself with every single word you're saying. Um, having said that, uh, there's also a negative aspect of that addiction. We have already touched upon the workaholic. Uh, I still am a workaholic. And mm-hmm. um, that's good. I, I mean, uh, it makes me very successful in what I do. But it's still, still I'm still escaping. Um, but I yeah. love to... And well, food. For me, there is still a whack-a-mole. You, whilst I'm absolutely describing myself in the same positive terms as you, the reality is there is still an emotional overeating. Uh, there is still ways that that I that my body says, "Oh, you, this would be so much better for you if you just do X," um, which I'm maybe not yeah. so proud of. Um, what do you do in such moments? How do you deal with that? inner Schweinehund, as I'm calling him, um, this little bastard, uh, the little voice mm-hmm. that that tries to to convince you, ah, one is okay. Um, yeah. And whatever that one is, how do you deal with that? Yeah. So I love that you said that because it's funny, I'm actually dealing with that now. 
Like I'm realizing, okay, I'm doing all this stuff. And you were talking about, there's a negative to it. Well, I just found out for me that the reason I keep doing it is because I am trying to just keep doing, doing to prove to myself and to distract myself. <laughs> it's a distraction from Joseph. So the way I deal with it today is I, I have people in my life today that know me really well. Right. I have people in my life that do know me. Now, when I start to get, and when I, when I'm in those moments, I'm getting irritable. I'm getting discontent. Mm -hmm. I'm getting frustrated a little bit more. Now, I always say, man, Alcoholics Anonymous is a program that I'm part of. This isn't to promote them, but they ruined me when it comes to this because it's almost like I'm forced to do it now. I'm like, oh my gosh, here I am again. You know, I'm always looking in the mirror. Here I go again. And the truth is, I don't think that'll ever stop. It'll just, it'll just show up in different areas of my life because I'm a human and I'm not perfect and I'm always going to have areas of my life I'm going to grow. So as soon as I start to reflect on myself, and it's funny, like I, I will get like defense, uh, I get defensive with my wife and it's something that I get so frustrated why I get defensive. And then I realize why I got defensive. So I fix it and I'm better for like four months. And then boom, all of a sudden, here I go again. You know, my prayer every day is God relieve me of the bondage of self. You know, so yeah. the way I deal with it, number one, is <laughs> the program has given me tools. Yeah. If I'm angry, if I'm frustrated, number one, I always turn my thoughts to somebody else. Because when I start getting frustrated that things aren't going my way, it's probably because I'm stuck in myself, which means am I have I done anything for other people? And yeah. I'm I, I honestly don't like that feeling of the irritable, the discontent. Oh, yeah. Sometimes I, I want to stay there because I'm very hard headed. Um, but eventually, because my outside world starts to notice it, my wife notices it, you know, my guys in recovery notice it and they're like, Hey man, you okay? And I'm like, mm -hmm. Oh man, I'm not okay. Time to do the work. Okay. I'll get up on my high horse and I'll do the work, you know? So it's a never ending thing, Sure, but I have to deal with it. I have to. Okay. So I play double uppercut now because I'm like you. Um, I always think when, when I get, angry or when i when when i get urges of oh i need a cheesecake kind of a thing um then i first ask myself okay have you looked after yourself so the hungry angry lonely tired uh what mm -hmm. were the triggers what is the message that my body wants to send me and i'll accept it so that's my my nowadays my first question but as it so happens there are still a lot of assholes around around you mm -hmm. And oh, yeah. God, I mean, the last two, three, four weeks, I have been blessed to meet many assholes. Uh, so much yeah. incompetence around me that completely then affects the way I have to deal with with the consequences of such behaviors where I have lost my cool quite a few times now. And it's not yeah. a not a nice kind of feeling. But I mean, how do you deal with the with the fact that there are assholes out there? You say oh. dig deep and and look at look at yourself, uh, how you contributed. But what do you do with the assholes? So I can't change assholes. <laughs> I can only change how I react to them. And if I don't want now, number one, I also look at assholes as what is what are they going through? You know, why are they treating me this way? Maybe they're uh, going through something. I yeah. try to deal with empathy. And the other thing I don't want to do is I don't ever want to give any human being power over how I feel and ruining my day. Because if I allow you, who's this is how I look at negativity. 
And, and when you say assholes, I think of somebody who brings some negativity into my life because of their pessimism, mm -hmm. they're different. You got to remember I'm running a business. So I got employees, I got customers. It happens all the time, not mm -hmm. just every day. It happens all the time. But one thing I understand is if they are, they have a negative seed they're trying to plant. I don't want to be a fruit of that negative seed. I'm going to kill it right then and there. So if you're going to bring your negativity around me or you're frustrated, you're going to treat me differently. I'm going to kill that right there. And I'm not going to let it affect me. Because most of the time, if I get frustrated at somebody because of the way they are doing something, yeah. it goes right back to selfishness, self-centeredness. I'm the, I'm the guy who wants to run the show. And if you just do the things that I want you to do exactly the way I want them to, things will just be a little bit better. But guess what I'm doing now? I'm focusing on things I cannot control. The only thing Joseph can control is me and how I react to that person. So if somebody, I mean, I've had people hang up on me. I've had people curse at me. I've had people not pay me for a job that I really did, but they were just trying to find ways to get over on it. Mm. And my, my, my pause is just, okay, this is what happened. It didn't happen to me. It just happened. And I could sit here, cry about it, be angry about it. Mm. And guess where that anger is going to do? That anger is going to cover my heart. And when you're angry, you can't give love. And when I'm angry, guess where I'm also taking that anger? I'm taking that anger around my influence, around the people around me. So I've now taken that anger and I take it home to my wife. I take it to my kids. I take it to my employees. I take it to the girl at the grocery store who didn't bag up my stuff properly. Uh, so now I'm just, I'm really just planting more seeds of anger. So instead, I really just stop and realize, you know what? It is what it is. It happened. And that's it. I'm done. I'm moving on. That person has to deal with what they're going through. You know, I always say that if somebody is being an asshole to you, man, mm. they must be going through something in their life mm. that they have to bring some negativity to you. Mm. How what do are you they going through? So I love that. I love that you distinguish uh, a person's actions um, from, let's say, a system failure. Let's talk about system failures within, okay. uh, in your company. So there's something that has direct influence on you. And you feel powerless and um, you're frustrated about a system that is incredibly difficult to change. How do you deal with that? Same faults? Yeah. I mean, number one, I always look at what could have I done differently? You know, mm -hmm. is there something I could have done to avoid this situation? Yeah. And sometimes if I, if I don't have the answer, I need to reach out to somebody who maybe can give me another perspective. Hey, man, right. is there something I could have done differently here? So maybe next time I don't, if I deal with the situation, I don't get that same reaction and I'm not in the same place. Yeah. Sometimes there is something I can do differently. And then I'm glad that it happened. You know, an example is I had a customer who literally did not pay me because of a million reason excuses of why they didn't want to make the payment. Mm -hmm. But I didn't have anything in my contract to protect me. And when I reached out to somebody, they said, hey, you should probably add this in your contract to protect you. And then this is what you can do if it happens again. So nice. now the good thing is I took something negative and I was like, okay, it cost me 1500 US dollars to learn that. And I can sit here and still be angry or I can say, hey, life lesson learned. Let's keep moving on. So uh, it goes back to if I Love can't it. change anything and what can I do differently? It's just that reflection. Yeah. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. And that is most of the time I am able to do that. Um, there are just times when there is a pity party uh, going on. Um, I'm the same you... way. <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> like, happen right away. 
Don't let me lie to you. You know, sometimes it's 20 minutes. Sometimes it's 24 hours. Sometimes it's a week. You know, I hope it's quicker than normal. Good. <laughs> I was about to say that it is, it is, is absolutely normal that you have get waves of emotions washing over you. And sometimes it isn't that a wave. It's a freaking tsunami and a lake. Um, and right. it, it takes away to, it takes a while to drain away um, afterwards. Mm -hmm. And, but I guess the, the positive thing of all that is these emotions are normal as well. Uh, this yeah. is normal that we that we experience these feelings, these emotions. And in the past, we would have run a mile and would have tried to numb them immediately with alcohol or drugs, etc. Nowadays, we at least mm -hmm. we have learned to accept those emotions for what they are, a part yeah. of life. And we try to constantly figure out new ways more productive ways how to deal with these neurochemical waves that are washing over us i think right. that is for that i'm internally uh, for all eternity uh grateful <laughs> that that i nowadays get to make those choices uh that i know that by living intentionally and by focusing on the here and now i have already so much so much power and with that i i constantly move away from the victim mentality towards mm -hmm. the at least survivor if not thriver mentality yes. over there and that is where where i love to be that's the post-traumatic growth that i that i adore that i live for yes of course the pendulum swings back from now and then towards that's the right. party mm -hmm. but yeah, it is what it is. You, it's yeah. a choice. You, you, you decide how how fast you drive. Uh, you know, you the taco. You decide where you put it with your gas. Uh, it's the yeah. same in recovery. You choose. You either work on your recovery or you work on your relapse. So mm -hmm. <laughs> there's only two things. <laughs> oh yeah. man. So yeah, what do you do? You just sorry, no, ladies, ladies first, what? ladies first. <laughs> I got you. Much respect. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking about what you just said about the victim or the victim. I call it the victim or the victor mentality. Like it's, it's, it's already happened to you. Mm -hmm. You can't change it. So you, we can either cry about it and let it affect us in other areas of our life or just face it. You know, we're already in pain where you, whether, whatever happened, whatever you lost, whatever it is, you're already there. It's happened. If you can't change it mm -hmm. now, let's do something with that. Exactly. And Sorry, I, the, the lady had to say that. I had to interrupt you just to get that out. <laughs> That's absolutely fine. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> and it is important that we that we figure that out for ourselves. We all have good choices to make, and we have, and that is an, a, a beautiful gift that we need to accept. Things don't just happen; you play a role, and you take action and that action is i mean you guys doing it right now you're listening to this podcast or watching this youtube video because you think yeah something's not right in my life and you're willing to make a change and that is so bloody important the past does yeah. not equal the future we can change but in order to do so you can't just go once to a gym lift two weights and then say great i'm now healthy forever no it doesn't work <laughs> like that healing comes in in layers uh, just as much as trauma comes in layers so therefore and you need to practice your healing the first time you go into the gym you you can't even lift a bar leave alone any weights on it 
And then three months later, you're throwing those weights around as if they are bloody feathers. And that is the reality. You've practiced that. How would your life be if we actually started to practice living intentionally and practice those things that turn your life around? But that is where Joseph and me have got a huge advantage maybe compared to you. Because we have found ourselves so much in pain that we actually accepted that alone we are powerless and that alone we we can't figure it out. And we trusted ourselves over to, to a higher power. And if that sounds corny to you, um, we, we assembled a power team of people who were far more intelligent than we were, at least emotionally or maybe also physically. Um, and we try to learn from them. And that is something that is happening when it comes to recovery in a 12-step program. Um, there are many other programs out there. Uh, like you, Joseph, I, I, I went through a 12-step um, approach. And that's that's why I called my, yeah, yeah, my book, this, this book, this book, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My Steps to Sobriety. <laughs> and yeah. it is exactly, I'm, I'm de demystifying the, um, the 12 steps towards uh, how you would approach a failing business. If your mate mm -hmm. is in, in a problem and we both are in the same business, then um, you would take logical steps. And, you know, what, what, how were you introduced to the 12 steps? Was that something that you were forced into when you went into sort of court mandated rehab? Or was there, such, I assume there was such a thing like that in, in prison? Yeah. So not, it wasn't actually in prison. Um, one of the times, in prison and here, they don't, there's not a lot of rehabilitation. It's actually part of my mission right now. I'm actually going back into the prisons to work with some of these guys and, and, and just talk about this stuff, you know, and, and give them an example. But, you know, I wasn't introduced into prison. It was, there was a time as I was on my crime spree, um, that I was facing some charges and a lawyer had advised, listen, we have two options go to rehab. And if you go to rehab, it's going to look a lot better that you're actually trying to do something with your life than just turning yourself in. So go to rehab and then turn yourself mm -hmm. in. And in rehab, I found I was introduced to the program of, of AA, the 12 step program. And, you know, when I first was in rehab, I was just like, okay, I'm doing this because I'm trying to get out of jail. Mm -hmm. But it, it was close to, I stayed there for 30 days. And it was the last week that I just remember watching some of these guys that start that were there for like six months and, and they just looked different. You know, they looked like they were really happy. Like it, it blew my mind how they were just having a ball and goofing off and, and, you know, hugging each other, high fiving and, and they just seemed like they didn't carry this weight around that I did. Um, cause I was still carrying a weight and I felt it. And when I looked at them, I was like, man, you guys don't look like you have this weight anymore. And uh, guys that started getting close to me like the last week. And I feel like I opened up a little bit more and I started to learn a little bit about what this program was. And then my lawyer advised me to go to a halfway house um, after I got a rehab because they said I didn't have to turn myself in. And in the halfway house, I was again, I started to say, let me work these steps that they talk about, because if this is what it's going to take to get that light, you know, and get that, get this weight removed. I want it. But at that time, I wasn't willing to be 100% open and honest with another individual because I couldn't even be honest with myself. Exactly. So I, that's where I was introduced to it. 
I ended up relapsing because again, I, I would even have a sponsor and I laughed. We would do, we would write down like our amends and all the things we did. And I would just like make up stuff to make it look like I was really doing it because I don't want to put my real stuff. <laughs> That's how insane <laughs> my mind was. Um, but when I was released from prison this time, um, I reached out to one of the guys that was in that halfway house with me. And I thought for sure, this guy is not going to make it. He does. He's angry right now. He's going to leave this house. But four years later, when I got out of prison, I find him on Facebook and he's like talking about recovering. I'm like, this guy stayed sober. And something told me to shoot him a message and just say, hello, how are you, man? How's things going? And right away, he just called me and said, hey, where are you? you know, are, are you sober? I said, well, I actually just got out of prison. I'm sober right now, but you know, I don't really know if I'm going to stay. Like I'm, I'm really scared. And I was just, uh, I was so afraid. Um, and I didn't even know if I could do it. And I'll just never forget. He said, well, you're right. You can't, but we can. He said, I'm going to pick you up. Let's go to a meeting. And, and that's when I started to just get around uh, the guys and, and get uh, close to my higher power. Cause you're right. I can't, I can't stay sober. I can't do nothing, but we can, we a hundred percent can. And that is the important bit, isn't it? But you can't see it. You can't see it in a moment when you're in pain. You can't see it when you have done things that that put the, the shame and the guilt on yeah. you. And we are masters in doing that. And often enough, I mean, in in I'm I'm still not sure if it was my depression or if it was uh, the shame and guilt due to the behaviors uh, when I was hiding my alcohol um, and maybe the way that I behaved to others that uh, which drove me. But I was convinced that there is no way that anyone could possibly forgive me. That was yeah. probably I didn't deserve happiness. Um, mm -hmm. There were a lot of lies that addiction told me. And depression told me and it is it's very very hard because you believe those lies um and they they seem to be irrefutable and mm -hmm. nowadays i so know that this is all bullshit so if any one of yeah. you things out there are oh, yeah well these two have got it sorted sure they could but me never ever well sorry guys no that's not true um i think Everyone has got choices that they can make. You either work on your recovery or you work on your relapse. That's what it comes down to. But in order to work on your recovery, you need to accept that alone you can't do it. So you need a mentor to start off with. You need a, a system that you can subscribe to. Now, it's really, really important to realize that there are many, many rehabs out there some of them are a little better than than slave camps um so some some people who try to help you you might not gel with some systems might sound absolutely crazy to you and they don't gel with or more likely you're not yet ready to actually listen to whatever the system is the system can be 100% it could be the best thing ever invented if you don't want it, if your belief is still so hooked on the on the denial, there's nothing wrong with me. No, no, no. Look at him over there. He is an alcoholic. Look, look at him. He drinks. I just drink socially. Yeah, just the sheer fact that I drink socially in the morning to stop my jitters is a complete different thing. Um, you know, that kind of shit. Yeah. So 
you guys can do it honestly but it is it is there are many hurdles in your own head that need to be overcome first and i think that's the big thing to realize yeah it's two things too it's believing it's possible like Mm. You know, because I did, I came in the rooms and I looked for, I was like, I don't know if this is going to work. You know, mm. I just, I, I know what I'm doing kind of, it kind of isn't working, you know, mm. let me try something else. But when you look for reasons why something doesn't work, you're going to find a lot of reasons why it won't work. Mm-hmm. But if you are, if you believe like, hey, this is possible, then maybe the first group that you go to is not a great group, but you don't give up mm. there because you know, it's possible. Like, okay, this is mm. not just the only thing. Exactly. But we feel like we need to understand everything before we we step in, you know, and I said this the other day. Do you know how when you turn your lights on, do you know every single way that light turns on? Or when you start your car, do you know how every piece works when you start your car? So when it comes to getting sober or even finding a higher power, because people struggle with the higher power, like you were saying, is we want to understand everything, but you don't understand the lights in the car. The reason why you don't care because you want the light to turn on. You want the car to start. If you just want to live differently and have a new way of life, I promise start looking for reasons why it's going to work and you will find them. You'll find them in me. You'll find them in you. You'll find them in, in other people, you know? In the business world, it's called analysis paralysis. Uh, (laughs) So you're quite right. And sometimes you just have to do. And again, that's, that's, Mm -hmm. that comes to another point. I think that, that uh, you probably subscribe to as much as I, Um, 80% of success is just showing up and giving it a shot. Um, Mm -hmm. You don't have to be perfect in something in on, on the contrary, the first time you try a new skill, let it be playing the guitar, let it be uh, a business venture, or let it be sobriety. Guess what? You have no fucking clue what you're doing. Um, so, and I think that's that's how you need to start off with accepting that and accepting yeah. that there are people out there who can teach you how to play the guitar or who, who can teach you um, steps towards your own sobriety. And I think, you know, looking at it from that angle, uh, maybe it, you can become a little bit more willing and a bit more open to to making a fool out of yourself because that's what you do. I mean, it is, it's just whenever you start something new, you won't be the best in it. There's no way. So therefore, yeah. how do you expect to be the perfect guy somehow and going into a new skill such as acknowledging your feelings or such as taking taking responsible ownership uh taking ownership of your of your actions oh boy uh first time you do that you know no, 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 no. you don't know how to do it and it hurts regardless what you do but it is okay it is okay guys you're learning a new feeling a new a new skill of sorts and life will change now imagine you do that every day, not big, huge things, but every day you make one decision that you know is actively working towards your recovery or towards a better mental health or to go away from any disease model towards you living a fuller life, a life that you that you actually think, yeah, this is cool. I enjoy that life. Make one step every day. That's all I'm asking you. Do five minutes every day and in one particular respect. May that be a relationship. 
Could you imagine that your life will be a bit different if every day you spent now five intentional minutes with that significant other, with that person? Can you imagine that after a week, um, your relationship will be a bit different? How would that be after a month, after three months, if you every day put into something into the emotional bank account um, and that is in this relationship? Can you imagine how powerful that would be? I can. Um, now, now, maybe that's was just five minutes. Five minutes out, out of, I don't know how many minutes there are in a day. Imagine yes. another five minutes. Maybe now you do something for yourself. How about maybe, I don't know, five minutes activity. Five minutes of doing some sport. If you don't do sport, five minutes of doing something, some movement. Huh? Can yeah. you imagine your life changes? Man, I mean, there's, there's so much that that we uh, can do. Joseph, you're a man who has transformed him. What are other habits out there that you have implemented? I do the five-minute gardener, so to speak. Five minutes uh, where I make a point in doing something, at least five minutes, and it works so well for me. Uh, what about right now? What 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 are cool habits that you are just implementing? Yeah, for me, I want to make sure what I'm doing is I'm intentional with my living. You know, it's so important to me that where because what happens is when we start spending time in places that we we don't want to be in, yeah. we start losing our energy, we start losing our belief in ourselves, we start losing our love in ourselves because we're just doing things and we're not actually intentionally making these decisions. And for me, it all starts with gratitude, man. It, it, everything to me is about gratitude because what happens is when we when you want to make a change you all of a sudden start to look at our life in this 360 view, right? It's it's this big view of all these changes that I have to make. And I couldn't agree with you anymore. I've said this even when I'm I'm coaching somebody. Tell me right now the first thing that comes to your mind in your life that you want to change. Go. And I need it in five seconds because the first thing they spit out of their mouth is the first thing they want to change. I said, I don't want you to focus on anything else. I know, but I got, I did, no, no, no. Let's focus on one thing at a time because what happens is when you focus on one area in your life that you need to change and now we're intentionally focused on one area. Yeah. Now we can actually pause again. I'm a doer, not a beer. So I got to pause and say, okay, why do I want to change this? And what do I want it to look like? Yeah. You know, what do I want? My, whether it's my marriage, my business, my finance, my health, my recovery, or let's use an example of recovery. I want to be involved in recovery more great. What can we do to do that? Now it's really just breaking down. And, and what's crazy is within a matter of days, and probably after that conversation you could have with yourself, like if you're listening to this right now, and, and I'm going to ask you the same question, pick one area in your life, get a pen and paper, write down what that area is. Now write down what you want it to be and start coming with ideas of what you could do to change it. Mm. What are some, and if you don't know ideas, Google's a great place to go to, to find out. YouTube is a great place to go to or message me and ask me, I'll, I'll answer it. And once you start working towards that, now you feel like you're getting somewhere and you didn't even make a change. You're just actually focused on the change. So that's one, what you, you said it very similar. I just wanted to add to that because it's such a great point. It's just, just pick one thing. Our life is a life. It's, it's a new way of life. It's not a tomorrow thing where I have arrived. I'm not going to arrive until I die because I'm gone. So every day I'm constantly, I'm still on this addiction of what area of my life do I need to change? Mm -hmm. 
you know, I, I'm constantly want to get better. So there's always areas of my life that I have to focus on that I know I'm failing at. I know I'm not doing well at. And the, the other thing I'd like to add to that is this is where people start to judge themselves a lot. You know, they start to look at, oh man, I really need to change in this area of my life. And they start to say, ah, I wish I wasn't this way. And they get into this judgment of themselves, you know, like, oh man, I'm, I can't believe I've, I've allowed my health and fitness to fall off. Let's the, the self-pity and, and why you are where you are, if you can just use that as your motivation to move forward instead of cripple you, because we're either crippled by our fears or we allow them to move us. Like when I came into the programs of the rooms, I was so afraid of a relapse. I was so afraid of going back to prison. I was so afraid of getting high again that it drove me to do whatever I had to do. Like if you told me I had to walk down the street to get sober and walk 40 miles, I'm like, if that's what it takes. Like, I know I don't know how to do this, but like, I was so afraid. So if you're looking at the area in your life that you need to change and you're judging yourself about it, I want to encourage you to say, hey, number one, thank you for looking at yourself and actually finding an area in your life you need to change because everybody's got it. It's like, it's like going in high school and you got a zit on your face and you're like, oh no, I got to put cream. I got to pop it. I don't want nobody to see my zit. You know, it's going to be terrible. But you walk into high school and everybody's got zits. So we all have areas in our life we need to change. You're just actually focusing on it and doing something about it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's very, that that's just what I wanted to add to it was just focus on one thing and please don't judge yourself when you're looking at it. Cause I think that's why we don't self-reflect sometimes is we don't want to look at ourselves because we, we start to feel guilty and, Oh man, I can't believe I've been doing this, but mm. Hey, it's a good thing. You're looking at areas of ways you can get better. You're going to change your story. Your story doesn't okay. end here. You're writing a new chapter, essentially. You are just yeah. they're right now deciding, okay, fine. You have had the dark night of the soul. Okay. You have done the playing, all that. So you're you're now uh coming towards the third big chapter, the third uh, arc in your in your story. And you're saying, Okay, fuck that. Um, mm -hmm. so now we are turning the story around and I take ownership. I take action. And that is what this is about. Recovery is about accepting where you are at and acknowledging that acknowledging the past but not no longer living in the past use it as the as the 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 power to catapult you forward all those things behind you all those things that you have done those things that that happened to you they were building up the tension so imagine you've got a bow in your hand and you're you've put your arrow on there and you're pulling the string back. Everything that has occurred to you is pulling. Everything is, is putting together. The tension is there. And for most of our life, you have just been poof, poof, poof. It went everywhere. How about you now focusing that energy onto something that you want, truly, truly want? And with that, I don't mean materialistic. I mean, actually... Uh, focus on who you want to be when you grow up and it doesn't matter if you're 17 or 70 how about you using that energy focus on i want to be a great dad well, okay use that energy now and figure out okay how can i be a great dad close your eyes and let this arrow fly because mm -hmm. the moment you ask the right question your brain will come up with the answers if you ask, why me? Why me? Oh, yeah, it will tell you heaps of reasons. If you say, well, how can I be a, a cool dad? Guess what your brain does? 
it comes up with, with answers. And that is so cool. Uh, so I, I love it. Joseph, Joseph, you're a man who who is taking his life into his hands in a way that few people, a few other people do. We we too are blessed because we have gone through so much shit. We've gone through so much trauma, and we now are kick-ass people. Um Maybe, maybe pathologically kick us. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The pendulum swings the other way. I give you we that. Still got, yeah, we still got areas we're yeah. working on. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But we are, we are doing it. And guess what? Yeah, we both are sitting there smiling. <laughs> <laughs> this is not. We are not on drugs. We are not on anything. We are on live. Right. Okay. Yes. We are enjoying being here and actually listening to each other and and accepting things and growing as we as we talk about it and that's yeah. cool live that's connection <laughs> that's the other yeah. thing you can't do it alone guys you need to connect you need to actually um to to open up to people and if you've never done that it's it's so difficult but maybe maybe the first thing you can do is if you've never opened up go to a gp to your family physician you know, you probably have problems in your health somewhere. And if you're like me, drank far too much or used opiates like Joseph, guess what? Your liver has probably had a kicking and your kidneys are probably not so great and other things. So maybe time to see your, your doctor and actually get a checkup and maybe just open up. Because if you don't know where to start, there's so many other people out there. And a family physician or a GP might actually be uh, very knowledgeable. Many of us doctors have been in the same boat, <laughs> workaholic, alcoholic, etc. Yeah, 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 I'm an anesthetist and I got my shit together. Um, so I know a bit what's the lay of the land around me. Um, so just ask and you will be amazed about the support that is out there. You are not alone and the past does not equal the future. So if you just accept these two things, then you can actually maybe open up a little bit and say, well, okay, the past does not equal the future. What can I do right now? And if if people indeed, Joseph, if people absolutely gel with what you are doing um, and with with the work that you're doing, how can they find you? Where can they find out more about you? Yeah. I'm all on all social media platforms. So um, you can find me on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, on TikTok. Um, everything is Joseph KG. So Joseph K-A-J-Y. And and I always say this, if you're going to come find me, don't just follow me and like my stuff. I, I want you to connect with me. You know, my purpose of coming on here and sharing my story and, and sharing the things that I'm learning in my life is I want to make more connections. There's a lot of people out there, like you were just talking about, that they do want to change. And they, they've been telling themselves, I want to change. And they just don't know where to start. Well, I'm giving you permission to start in my DMs, in my messages. That's your permission. God has blessed me currently with my business to have the time to talk to you specifically. And people have done this. So I want to encourage you. I've had strangers reach out to me that I've never met before, that today they live in a different state. And I call them my brothers and sisters because we are doing life together. Yeah. I'm sharing my things. You're sharing your things. So, so if that's what you want to start and you've always been thinking after listening to this, that I do want to change. There is an area in my life, Joseph, I want to change. I don't know where to start. I'm not selling you anything. I'm giving this to you for free. Please message me because you are so worth it. 
And I want to spend that time with you because it's in my heart. It's in my passion. It's my new addiction. So please take advantage of my addiction and let me help you. Let me give you a perspective. Let me join you with this way of life. <laughs> I love it. Take advantage of my addiction. I love that. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> in that setting, isn't it? It's beautiful. Yes, I could not yes. agree more. <laughs> and guys, don't don't you don't need to to remember all that. Look down there into the description of the YouTube video and the podcast because you've got all the links down there. So don't be shy. It is I mean what have you got to lose? What could possibly go wrong by you taking that first step of action if you have never done it before? Um, stop the catastrophizing. Stop the, oh my God, if he just knew, guess what? There are so many things I have done and Joseph have done. I mean, 47 yes. felonies. Come on. Who am I to on. judge? Yeah, that's right. I've heard it, it all. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So no, come on, guys. There is, there is, um, it's okay. Whatever the past was, it's now. You have got the choice to make the future different. And it starts right now. And it starts with every second that comes thereafter. So no, Joseph, a fantastic interview. You're a great man who, who, is just so full of passion and so full of love of life. And I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, thank you this for holding the mirror. Uh, thank you for holding the mirror in front of my face, because there are still so many things where I can improve. Um, and this is an ongoing story. And I guess the day that I don't improve or that I don't learn something is a very sad day for me. Right. So therefore, today is a very good day. It started with a fantastic interview. And now I go to work and actually can reflect on that and say, okay, yes, a lot of assholes around me here, a lot of incompetence, um, but and maybe I can do something about it. And if I can't, then grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change. <laughs> That's so true. And Stephen, I've enjoyed this so much. I mean, when you said I held the mirror for you, and this is a beautiful thing when you're working with people and just talking, having conversations, yeah. it's, it's the, the, it's a double-sided mirror, you know? So like <laughs> I, I'm looking at myself, it's a beautiful way to grow. And, and this has been so much fun. I've enjoyed it. And thank you for the platform because mm. people are going to hear this and, and maybe this yeah. one thing they heard from it, one person that heard it, but because you provided that platform for people to hear this, I just want to thank you for taking your time to do that, man. Thank you so much. Absolutely. It's an absolute honor. It's a pleasure to have people like you on. And that's it's life is good. Cool. And you guys out there, come on. Uh, if you haven't found some inspiration today, um, then I don't want to know because it is <laughs> Joseph is a great man. And together, if we were just start talking and and maybe start exploring a bit, little bit inside and maybe as a community, uh, we can make this world a better place. I'm convinced we can. So Absolutely. go out there, live your life with passion and look after yourself. Bye. Hey,